Everybody, thank you for listening to Big Ten on Tap, presented by the On Tap Sportsnet. My name is John Suarez. Joined with my co-host Johnny Nani. Johnny, how you doing today, man? John, I'm good, man. Uh, finally, uh, football is coming back from Highline this week. Uh, seems like it has been a while since that Michigan State game, but uh, I'm excited to uh, talk about it here. Yeah, um, those bye weeks that are all sorts of thrown around in the middle of the college football season always throw us off. So this is episode seven of Big Ten on Tap, everybody. This is actually week 13. We had said it was week 13 last week, but we had said beforehand we were a little rusty. We got our weeks mixed up. So the actual (laughs) unlucky number 13, week 13. But yeah, Johnny, I bet you you're excited. Um, We do have a guest. Lined up for the Illinois-Iowa preview, you and uh, a guy named Sean Roberts, who um, announces at the radio station in Iowa, um, KXNO, I believe. Mm -hmm. You and him did an in-depth Iowa-Illinois preview, so we're going to get to that a little bit later on. Um, Other than that, Northwestern finally won a game, so we can talk about that. (laughs) I mean, obviously a game that they definitely were expected to win which is hard to say at this point in the season. But, yeah, so definitely going to break that down. Basketball season still has been rolling. We'll kind of nibble into that a little bit later on. But other than that, uh, Johnny, how have you been otherwise? What did you do in your two weeks to fill your Illinois football void? No, it's been been a lot of hockey. Uh, I've I've got out to a couple of Hawks games, so that's been fun. Um, You know, we got full swing in that. Blackhawks on tap. uh, If you're a hockey fan, uh, go ahead and check that out. Uh, We do kind of post-game reports, um, all that stuff. So I've been busy with that. Uh, We've had some exciting news for the White Sox here. Uh, But other than that, uh, taking a little Illinois basketball. I know we're going to start with football, but we will wind up with basketball on the back end of this thing. So uh, I've been watching my line a little bit there, too. So that's kind of tied me over. How about you? Yeah, a um, little bit of the same. I did not get to see Northwestern's basketball most recent game, thank God, because I probably would have had to punch a hole in my wall because they <laughs> lost to a dog shit opponent again. But I did get to catch a college football game um, in between the last time that we recorded. I went to the Northern Illinois-Eastern Michigan game. My brother goes up to Northern Illinois. He actually writes for On Tap and does stuff for the Irish and the Bears as well. Um but yeah, went up there. That was a lot of fun. Northern Illinois got stomped. That part was not fun. But other than that, um, just been chilling, man, working a lot and looking forward to, the, like you said, the White Sox <laughs> because yeah, Northwestern's football and basketball teams are not looking like they're doing too much this year. Yeah, yeah, we got some big news uh, yesterday. So, you know, Shy Sox Weekly, Sox on Tap, uh, all the articles at Tap Sportsnet, uh, you know, into baseball, uh, whether it's Cubs or White Sox. Uh, we got both covered over there. So uh, a lot of good. Throw, threw another all-star oh. in the mix. Um, got yep. the first ones to kind of get the feet wet in the MLB offseason. So, yeah, yeah that's take, definitely exciting. Take an initiative. I like it. Um, but, uh, John, uh, we, we uh, have, you know, an outing ourselves planned um, you want to, I know we kind of hinted at it a little bit and we've been talking about it, uh, so, you know, kind of sparsely, uh, over our week's recording here. Um, but, uh, go ahead and fill them in because we kind of got it a little bit more solidified now. 
Hell yeah, dude. So um, the kickoff time for Northwestern Illinois has been announced. It's going to be at 11 o'clock on November 30th. That game's going to be on Fox Sports 1. Um, and thank God I don't care what channel it's on because Johnny and I are going to be there. We're oh, hosting. Yeah. yeah, we're hell yeah. We're hosting a big ton of on tap, on tap sports, not tailgate. Uh, Johnny and myself will be there. Um, aiming to get to the tailgate lot by 9 a.m. We're going to be tailgating in lot 42. We may take our way over to Grange Grove. Um, we'll kind of feel the morning out, see how it goes. Weather obviously permitting. It is supposed to rain that day, it looks right now. Um, but Illinois weather, that could obviously change. Who knows? But, yeah, we have um, some fancy new Big Ten on tap t-shirts that we're going to be repping. I'm definitely excited to bust those bad boys out. Um, and definitely excited to wrap this shitty football season up in <laughs> probably the most fun way possible by drinking live at the game. And yeah, so other than that, Johnny, how excited are you for our first oh. Big Ten on tap event? Dude, I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You and I have kind of been talking about this, I think, since we even conceived the idea uh, of this podcast, probably back in, like, you know, what, June, July? Yeah, uh, this is hopefully going to be a traditional thing that we do because yeah. Northwestern Illinois play every year, obviously, in rivalry week. They play for the Land of Lincoln Trophy, so we should make it like the Land of Lincoln tailgate. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, Lynn Lincoln, big on tap tailgate. I like that. Um, John, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I know you, um, you're, you're a Northern Suburbs guy. Obviously, you're a, uh, um, you know, nor- Northwestern. Uh, that's your bread and butter up there. Uh, so you've been there plenty of times, but you said you've only been to Champaign really for a Bears game way back when they played there uh, when Soldier Field was under construction. So uh, I'm excited for you to get you down there um, and see my old stomping grounds down there. And then, uh, you know, my, my family does uh, usually a pretty decent sized tailgate uh in lot 42 like we had mentioned um so uh we're still uh yeah th- that's going to be the home base there but i would also like take you over and uh, that's why i put it in there is uh to see grange grove because uh, that's a pretty cool area on the west side of the stadium uh they usually have like you know live music over there um you can just bring your own alcohol and set up wherever and drink and it's you know it's a great view of the stadium uh right outside there so uh man i'm, I'm looking forward to it a lot and there's also beer sales in the stadium john so uh we won't be dry all day (laughs) yeah something that hopefully if we do move over to evanston next year i think they do play in evanston next year that we won't have to deal with because as of right now you cannot buy beer at northwestern football games so when i asked johnny about that he said yes they do have beer sales that got me extra excited yeah yeah, i did i went we're not sneaking flasks in baby no 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 no, none of that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. well let's let's not rule anything out never say never here but yeah, right. uh, yeah no there are there are beer sales the, the the prices actually really aren't bad at all i went down for the uh, very first game this season um it was illinois akron and um you know it, it was good on a uh, warm day kind of you know i uh, keep you cool but um it's also good on a cold day because then it helps warm 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 you up from the inside you know what i'm saying however yeah. the fuck that works but yeah i uh <laughs> yeah literally no you're not wrong and yeah. uh, I went when I was at the NIU game, uh, they had two dollar beers. They just had cans. They were pouring them in like solo cups. It was awesome. Yeah. See, I mean, uh, like the North most Coast. underground beer sales of all time at like a foldable table that like you would see at a high school football game that they would sell like Starburst and yeah. like bags of chips at. And it just has like a poster board with colorful writing on it, just beer cans for two dollars. And they're literally pulling beers out of a cooler. 
Nice. Yeah. A little, a little more official at U of I, but hey. Oh, I bet. <laughs> any, any, any way you can take it, uh, you'll get it at the football game there. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to this, man. Uh, like you'd mentioned, that date is uh, November 30th, Saturday, uh, 11 a.m. in Champaign, Illinois. Uh, Lot 42 is where we'll be, uh, possibly Grange Grove. But uh, we'll keep everyone posted on the Big Ten on tap uh, Twitter account. So uh, you go and follow that. Um, follow on tap Sportsnet uh, as well. And uh, that's where we'll have all of our updates and probably some debauchery on there as well. So. Yeah, sounds good. So um, other than that, we hope to see you guys there. But moving on and uh, actually diving into our episode of Big Ten on Tap, we do have a decent one planned out for you today. Um, I'm going to start off with the Northwestern News Read. It looks to me as if you don't have any Illinois news. Did you get to that already when you had Sean? I I, I kind of touched on it a little bit, but I have a couple. There's uh, minor injury notes, that. Uh, but go ahead with Northwestern first. Yeah, I'll do that first. So um, speaking of minor injury notes, this one's actually a little bit major for Northwestern. The quarterback that has been servicing the Wildcats, not doing the best job, um, Aiden Smith. He's listed as doubtful for Saturday's contest against Minnesota. Um, that means that beginning of the season fourth string quarterback Andrew Marty is most likely going to be um put into the starting quarterback role make his first career start uh he is a sophomore um he's only seen a little bit of game action this year it was against Ohio State and then he played a little bit of wrap-up duty last week against UMass not too many stats I don't think I think he's had like three complete I don't have him pulled up but I know he had one pass against Ohio State and it was an interception so yeah big yikes um other than that they did um play jason whitaker a little bit at quarterback who was recruited as a quarterback originally made the move over to tight end but obviously if you're down to your fourth string quarterback you are a little bit thin in that area so they moved him over he took mostly like read option play snaps he did not attempt to pass but i expect pat fitzgerald to probably mix him into the mix a little bit next week as well or not next week, tomorrow. <laughs> uh, maybe next week. We'll see if Aiden Smith yeah. even comes back. Um, but, yeah, other than that, Kyrie McGowan, the wide receiver somewhat turned running back, is now shut down for the season. He got hurt at the end of that Purdue game, did not play against UMass, and he was listed as out. And de- as He's listed as out indefinitely with two games remaining. You would assume a guy that's not a senior, Kyrick McGowan's a junior, so he will be coming back next year. You would assume that they would most likely just shut him down. Mm-hmm. Um, Hunter Johnson has also made his way off of the two deep depth charts, so he is most likely shut down for the season. We had talked about that a little bit last week, so that's honestly probably the right call from the Wildcats and company. They got to get back to the drawing board with Johnson if they want to make it work because they still have two years of eligibility remaining with him. So, mm-hmm. other than that, Already brought up the basketball loss to Radford. Really don't even want to talk about it. We'll kind of talk about it a little bit later. But <laughs> I, got, I got a fun um, uh, jab at you. Oh, I'm sure. I'm fucking sure. <laughs> but uh, Evan Hole, the freshman running back, was named Big Ten Freshman of the Week. He had quite the day against UMass, and we'll get into that in a little bit. So other than that, Johnny, take it away. Give me a little bit of uh, an Illini update. 
Yeah, for sure. So uh, the uh, main ones uh, for on the field stuff here, uh, as we're talking, um, I had mentioned them uh, last week, and uh, you know they're kind of they're kind of you know uh, hush on the situation. Uh, you really don't find out until Saturday morning uh, when things get rolling on these. But uh, Jake Hansen still questionable. He missed the Michigan State game, but the reports surrounding that um, when they got to practice uh, right after the Michigan State uh, win. They had said that it was more of just kind of, you know, being banged up, playing that middle linebacker spot that kind of accumulates throughout the year, Um, you know, just being involved right in the middle of so many plays. So uh, they were hoping that, you know, the extra week of rest uh, would help him get back into the mix. So he's not ruled out, um, but he's not confirmed. Um, the questionable status there. And um, same goes questionable for Wole Batiku, uh, the defensive end, uh, USC transfer. Um, he had a great start to the season before he uh, twisted an ankle against Wisconsin. But uh, those reports also, uh, after Michigan State, it was hopeful that he would be able to return. Uh, that was kind of his timeline after they figured out what the problem was after that Wisconsin game. That was kind of the timeline that they were hoping for anyway uh, to get back around this uh, Iowa game. So hopefully both of those guys are in because those will be big parts of the defense um, that Illinois needs to try and cause havoc uh, because the line has not been getting as much pressure as they were earlier on in the season. So Wally Batico would be huge there. And then Hanson, uh, I mean, the guy leads uh, nation in forced fumbles, I believe, a seven. So uh, obviously, Obviously, a huge piece of the defense. So uh, that's it for the on-field stuff. Um, just another tiny thing uh, that I thought was pretty cool. Uh, they never really did this during my time there. Um, but Illinois uh, student housing is opening up dorms back early uh, for that game against uh, Northwestern because, you know, they start Thanksgiving break now. Um, and then they're off for like the weekend, you know, obviously it depends on, you know, who's going to come back and whatever, but, um, with, with a better team here, I would expect it's going to be more, uh, you know, at least more of a student presence than in years past, uh, for this last game of the year, whenever it's at home. So, uh, student housing opens early. So, uh, that'll be open for that Saturday, uh, of the Illinois Northwestern game. So the, those are my, uh, news bits. We're going to make this rivalry great again. One podcast at a time, Johnny. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That is definitely the goal. And you said, yeah, Illinois definitely. I wish Northwestern was having a good year because this would be a hell of an exciting game. Even if we were fucking four and six, pull off and win against Minnesota by the skins of our asses and have our somewhat Cinderella try to get bowl eligible, that would have been fun. But a lot of what ifs. Um, What ifs are not fun in sports. (laughs) So Exactly. Results matter. They sure do. So other than that, speaking of results, we are going to move on to the Northwestern UMass summary. Um, not going to get too in-depth. Obviously, it was not even a close game. UMass actually almost started the game up 7 to nothing. They had a touchdown that was called back on a, uh illegal motion <laughs> penalty. Hmm. So you, things you hate to see. Um, they did get two first-half field goals. But that would be all UMass got on the day. Northwestern ended up winning the game 45-6. to um, A game of touchdowns mostly. They had one field goal, and then they had six touchdowns. Uh, freshman running back, Evan Hull, as I said earlier, he was the Big Ten freshman of the week. He set career highs across the board. He had 24 carries on the day for 220 yards and four touchdowns. That's insane. Wow. Yeah, unmute my mic so I can get the Owen Wilson. Yeah, no, no, you're good, you're good, you're good. (laughs) That's that's like NCAA football 14 on rookie stats right there. Yeah, and speaking NCAA football 14, hopefully there's an NCAA football 20 so we could start using that. But 
Um, yeah. Start stimulating our games for yeah, see that, our predictions. Oh, oh, I fucking hope. <laughs> yeah, I hope. I hope. One can only hope. But, yeah, other than that, Evan Hull did win Big Ten Freshman of the Week, but he did not win Big Ten Player of the Week, which was kind of a snub job. Um, Jonathan Taylor ended up winning Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. He had 25 carries, so one more carry than Hull. 204 yards, so 16 less yards, and then two touchdowns, so two less touchdowns. So maybe obviously quality of competition in that too. Quality of competition, probably. Um, Maybe the fact that that was actually against a conference opponent and interdivision opponent, and then the other one against a non-conference opponent probably takes into effect as well. But yeah, would have been nice to see. I, I was like shocked when I looked that up. I was trying to put that in the notes. I was like, he probably for sure got Big Ten Player of the Week, but didn't. So yeah, so. well, at least there's some honor there because um, yeah. oh, in a game like that, in a game like that, um, you know, it's big for those guys having accomplishments like that. Uh, good to see him honored for it, you know, and especially in a season like Northwestern's had, uh, you got to take the bright spots you can. Oh yeah, there has not been money. Speaking of not money, um, Aiden Smith had a dog shit afternoon again, even against a terrible opponent like UMass. Um, At this point, obviously a lot of it is on McCall, but Smith is just not hitting his guys. Uh, Smith was seven for 13 on the day for 76 yards. He had zero touchdowns and two interceptions. One of those interceptions. How do you throw two picks against UMass? Against UMass, who uh, came into the day with two picks on the season, by the way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that obviously was not fun to watch at all. Um, one of the picks was 100% his fault. The other one was like 50-50, um, kind of on the receiver, but mostly his fault. <laughs> um, other than that, defense didn't really – I mean, they had an interception. They got an interception on a tip pass. It was a linebacker interception. Um, that was Blake Gallagher that got that interception. Um, Joe Gaziano, who is a half a sack away, we had brought it up going into the week away. Uh, he's a half a sack away from breaking the all-time record. No, he's a half a sack away from tying. Sorry, that's terrible. Half a sack from tying the all-time record of sacks at Northwestern and one sack away from breaking the record. Um, he was inches away from getting that half sack. He had the quarterback in his grasp. Slipped off the tackle, but right as he slips off the tackle, uh, defensive tackle Jake Saunders came in and finished the sack. So if he would have held on for, like, literally not even a whole second longer, they, even the announcer was like, we'll see how the st- statistician um, records that because that could go either way. So Yeah. God, that was a hard fucking sentence. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you, you got through it. Yeah, you yeah, got through rolling, it there. Rolling through the punches here on Big Ten on tap. But um, other than that, pretty stale afternoon that, like I had predicted, a lot of running, not a lot of passing. Um, but, yeah, special teams, a little bit of excitement. We had a blocked field goal. Chris Bergen had uh, returned the blocked field goal for his first career touchdown, um, and that's a junior walk-on getting a touchdown that plays defense, so that doesn't happen too frequently. So that was cool to see. Probably going to be his only fucking touchdown. Yeah, I mean, but, it's uh, cool for those uh, guys that are uh, walk-ons because, you know, I had mentioned last week uh, Donnie Navarro, receiver um, for Illinois. Uh, he's starting to become an actual integral part of the offense, um, So I, and then he was rewarded with the full scholarship um, after uh, you know a couple weeks after that Wisconsin game. So, I mean, it's cool to see uh, walk-ons, you know, get their uh, uh, recognition, you know. Oh, of course. 
So other than that, um, like I had said, super dull game, not too exciting. We had like briefly touched last time we talked about Illinois um, playing Michigan State and that crazy comeback that they had had. But um, let's get into like a little bit of what Illinois has done leading up to this matchup that they have against Iowa. And then we'll have you uh, talk with Sean Roberts a little bit, break that Iowa matchup down, and then I will throw in a little uh, Minnesota preview, and then we'll wrap this bad boy up. What do you say? Yeah, absolutely. So um, for uh... – Illinois recently, uh, like I said, I, we kind of touched on did, did play a little catch up last week. Um, but, you know, it, that Michigan State comeback, the largest in school history, uh, 25 points. So Illinois is coming off of that. Um, ho- hopefully getting those guys that were out uh, and, you know, back in the mix. And then Milo Weifler was ejected early on in that game. Uh, he threw a punch at a Michigan State offensive lineman after their first score. So they were down, you know, to two of their starting linebackers and uh, still got the job done. Um, I would like to see them at, you know, full strength against Iowa. I think that's going to be huge here. Um, but recently, the recent trends, uh, they, uh, you know, they went 2-0 to start the season, four straight losses, uh, looked like it was going to be down the crapper, and then four straight wins, uh, first four-game uh, winning streak since 2011 when they had six, first four-game Big Ten winning streak since 2001 uh, when they had seven. So um, it, it's exciting times for Illinois football. I, uh, you know, I talked with Sean in depth about the game, and we'll get to that right after you have your uh, um, player of the week um, here. But, uh, you know, if I was going to go back and uh, talk players that, you know, uh, impact players uh, from last week, Brandon Peters and Josh Matterbaby, I think Matterbaby a little bit more uh, just because he had the the long uh, catches and runs. Um, but th- those guys are going to be huge. They were huge against Michigan State. They've been huge all season. The Matterbaby leads the uh, – uh, conference and touchdown receptions with nine. So uh, they're going to rely on him. And uh, I got into that a lot more with Sean. But uh, before we hand it over to me and Sean, uh, how about your uh, player of the week for Northwestern? Yeah, right quick before I get into that, can we agree on Big Ten on tap that um, throwing punches at offensive linemen cool and tough? Ooh, yeah, it is. But it, they, they, uh, you know, it, you got to be careful. Little flagrant. It's, Little it's, flavor. Yeah, Little but it, when you don't get caught, it definitely is. How about oh, that? Oh, yeah, maybe in the locker room. Okay. If they're on the yeah. ice, it would be a lot cooler and a lot better. Yeah, better. exactly. But, you know, like, you know what the thing is? You can Did get he hit away him in the helmet? I didn't see it. No, he, he like, he hit him in the leg. But it was, like, because he was kind of getting, like, pancaked. Um, okay, it, okay. It, was, it was a goal line play, a goal line run. So he, like, kind of, like, swung up on, swung up at him. And uh, it was pretty blatant because it was right behind it. Whereas, like, if you're in the middle of the pile, that's when you do it, you know? Yeah, but he was. He was like a little bit, he was like more towards the tackle side and the run went pretty much right up the center. So uh, he, you know, it was pretty blatant. Ref saw it right away. Um, the the one who was on the goal line. So, uh, you know, just be sneakier. Milo Eifler, you're, you're a USC guy. I think mean, you guys know how to get away with some shit down there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Middle of the pile stories are top notch. Uh, what's that one? I think it's the comebacks, that football movie where they like they make fun of everything. And there's like a scene where there's a dude that's like smoking a cigarette. Or no, that's it. Actually, isn't that in the longest yard? He's like smoking yeah. a cigarette and like puts it out on the dude in the middle of the pile. Yeah. Middle of the pile, anything goes. Come on, guys. All right. So um, moving on. Yeah, the offensive um, cat of the week. Pretty self-explanatory. We're going to roll with Evan Hole here. Um, his first offensive cat of the week honors here on Big Ten on tap. A surprise offensive cat of the week. We had expected Drake Anderson to have a career day. At least that was my kind of projection going into last week. And Anderson hardly saw the field. 
And when he did see the field, he had what could have been a very costly fumble when Northwestern was down early in driving. He had fumbled the ball. It was luckily recovered by, I believe it was Riley Lees. Um, Riley on the spot. But other than that, Drake Anderson's kind of fallen off here these last couple weeks. So that's something to definitely look forward to going into Minnesota is not only do the Cats have a huge question mark at quarterback heading into this week. They definitely have kind of a considerable question mark at running back heading into this week. What can Evan Hull do against a Big Ten defense? Mm-hmm. So we saw, I think Evan Hull's gotten carries in like two other games. I think he played a little bit against Ohio State maybe, but nothing like of note at all up until this point. So, But other than that, Definitely the cat of the week. The defensive cat of the week is going to definitely go to Blake Gallagher, who led the team in tackles with six by a decent margin. They kind of spread their tackles throughout. The second leading tackler only had three. So not only did he lead the team in tackles, but he had the interception. So that was impressive. And then special teams, we're going to give it to uh, Chris Bergen, obviously for the return touchdown. That was something that was really impressive to see. Northwestern's, um, like, I think it was their second or third block kick on the year. They've had a couple of block kicks, not something that's really made a difference even up until this point. It didn't make a difference in that game either, but (laughs) um, definitely something that's just kind of been like a side note. They don't really force turnovers. If I had to guess, they have almost as many block kicks as they do fucking interceptions, (laughs) which is not a hot set. Yeah. But total side note, Charlie Kubander had missed a uh, pretty important field goal in that Purdue game that some would say kind of potentially cost Northwestern that game. Um, Not necessarily because um, basically all it would have done was would have made Purdue instead of going for a field goal to win, go for a touchdown to win, but they had plenty of time and they were driving. So you never know. Mm -hmm. But it was good to see him come back and go one for one on field goals and five for five on extra points. So no messes on the day, perfect day. Um, but yeah, other than that, let's bring it into you and Sean, which I'm sure our listeners are excited to hear because Sean definitely knows his shit about Iowa. And obviously, you know, your shit about Illinois. So I know my shit about Northwestern, but not too much about Minnesota. So we're going to dive into that a little bit too, but, uh, uh, here's to you and, uh, Sean. All right, and now for our Iowa versus Illinois preview segment here. Um, a guy who is a friend of other ONTAP podcasts, his name is Sean Roberts. He reached out to me uh, and said he had a little expertise on this uh, Iowa team since he does some work uh, in the radio business uh, covering the Iowa Hawkeyes. So uh, without further ado, Sean Roberts. Sean, how you doing, man? What's up, buddy? How's it going, man? Good. Hey, it's good to talk to you. I know last time uh, we were on the mic together, we were talking uh, White Sox, but um, always good to talk to you. Um, yeah. and Yasmani this... Grandal, baby! Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> a lot of exciting news going on here. Uh, you know what else is exciting, though, at least for me? Um, I know you're a Notre Dame guy, but uh, my fighting Illini, uh, actually in a position here where this game, uh, when you look at it at the beginning of the season, Iowa-Illinois, uh, you pretty much write this one off as a loss and uh, don't even think it's going to be close. I mean, last year, Iowa stomped Illinois 63 nothing at home. Uh, people were thinking that could have been the end of Lovey's term here, uh, but instead, uh, they made a complete turnaround here. Illinois sitting at 6-4, and four, bowl eligible, uh, going into this one with an actual decent chance at uh, beating Iowa here. So um, definitely exciting stuff all around uh, in our world here, Sean. Uh, but first of all, I just wanted to give the listeners a little bit of background on yourself so why don't you tell them uh, about what you're doing i know you're a chicago suburbs kid but now you are out in iowa and tell them what you do there 
Yeah, so I work out in Des Moines. I work for 1460 KXNO, um, which is our sports station out here. I produce, and I guess if you want to call me a co-host of the uh, Morning Rush, uh, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8. And then I do, I have my own show, Saturday mornings, the KXNO Saturday morning pregame. That's 8 to 10 every Saturday morning. Uh, what I do strictly for Iowa, I produce, and I guess if you want to throw me in as a co-host on this as well, um, I produce the Sound Off, which is a call-in post-game show. Uh, News Radio 1040 WHO, uh, but yeah, that's it's all Iowa on that one. So it's a, it's the, you know, couple. It's where we go on about two hours after the game, and you know whether you're coming back from Iowa City, um, or you're or you live in another state and you just want to call in, whether you're pissed off, happy about what happened in the Iowa game. That's what we cover. So and my co-hosts do a great job of that as far as you know making the show run smoothly and all that fun stuff. Yeah, so awesome. That's, so- that's what I do out here. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So uh, you had reached out to me um, about this because you've been on uh, for the on tap sports that you've been on our uh, White Sox uh, weekly show, Shy Sox Weekly. Yeah. Um, so uh, glad to have you on and share a little bit of your background uh, knowledge here and then uh, also knowledge about this football team uh, coming up. So uh, let's get into this matchup. Uh, first of all, just the basics, uh, how we always run this thing. Uh, it's Saturday, uh, November 23rd in Iowa City, 11 a.m. Central Time start. Uh, this game will be on Big Ten Network. Um, the, how's the weather looking out there, Sean, for, uh, this one? Uh, so it's looking like it's going to be about 46 degrees, mostly sunny. Uh, it is senior day for, for the Hawkeyes and Desmond King is going to be the honorary captain. Uh, he now plays with the San, or I guess Los Angeles Chargers, almost at San Diego Chargers. Uh, but Desmond King's going to be back. He's going to be the honorary captain. So it's going to be a lot of emotion, uh, in Kinnick stadium and, Kinnick, I mean, it's senior day. Nate Stanley, quarterback, a lot of these guys, there's, they're graduating 19 seniors. So big day tomorrow in Kinnick. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, coming off a big win uh, last week, uh, you know, we're going to talk about recent trends here, but, you know, against Minnesota, uh, it was number eight rolling in there. Um, uh, Iowa be able to hand them their first loss of the season. So uh, they're definitely feeling good about themselves. Um, and you kind of bring that up. I like that you bring that senior day uh, sort of aspect into it because uh, this could easily be, uh, you know, if this is an Illinois team of years past, this would easily be a, uh, you know, sleeper game and Iowa probably wouldn't have to do much to uh, get through this one. But uh, having it be senior day out there uh their last one because i believe they're at nebraska to close out the season yeah so um you know a little extra added energy uh in the building there at connect um not that they don't always show up but you know just the mentality going into it so um it, interesting on that front too uh thanks for sharing that um just a little bit about the teams uh i'd mentioned illinois six and uh let's see yeah illinois six and four four and three in conference uh iowa seven and three four and three in conference um, they've only lost two pretty tough teams here, uh, Sean. So uh, just tell me a little bit about Iowa's, uh, you know, uh, recent stretches uh, and kind of an overall um, vibe of the team uh, to this point in the season. Yeah. yeah this, so, you know, this, it's a, I look at it at, I hold Iowa, Iowa to a high standard and maybe that's, that's a me problem. I don't know if it, because Johnny, you saw on Twitter last week, I kind of made a snarky comment, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, you know, not to bring Iowa State into this conversation, but Iowa State beats Texas on a game-winning field goal. Their fans don't storm the field. Iowa beats Minnesota. I know it's against, you know, Minnesota being in the top ten and they were undefeated. But I looked at it as man has the pendulum swung here in this state where, you know, Iowa State beats Texas on a game winner and they're not storming the field. But Iowa beats Minnesota and storms field. So I don't know where to gauge Iowa um, on a national level, but I hold them to a high standard. The vibe from the team right now from what – 
I can see is, I mean, they're going in the senior day. They're excited. They're coming off a huge win. The biggest thing that, and the biggest question this week, as far as out here is, is this a letdown? Are they going to have a letdown? Are they going to, are they going to come down from that high that they're after beating Minnesota? You know, this is a team that if you look at their last two weeks, they, they played against Wisconsin. Then they play against Minnesota. They looked kind of dead against Wisconsin. And then they had a little bit of urgency um, for a couple of their drives offensively. And you saw something that you haven't seen out of this team all year. And it was, they were on the move. They were, everything was working great. And then last week, the first half against Minnesota, they come out and the urgency was there again. And they got out to that 20 point lead and you're like, and you get frustrated as someone who follows Iowa or an Iowa fan. Cause you're going, where has this been all year? Why can't we do this week in week out? Because Johnny, the, the first half last week if Iowa, you know, my co-host on the, on my morning show this morning said it best. If, it, if, and I, and I agreed with them, if Iowa plays like they did in that first half last week against Minnesota with that urgency and that just, they just, everything was working smoothly. They can hang with, I would, I mean, I would put out there anybody in the big 10 for sure. And maybe mm. some of the best teams in the country, just because the, the talent's there. It's, and I said this, does the coaching staff allow it? You know, coaching staff, the coaching staff, are they going to allow Iowa, some of these athletes that they've never really had? I mean, look at this is an Iowa team that has probably the best receiving core that they've ever had. And they're not putting up huge astronomical passing numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a you have a running back in Tyler Goodson that's a freshman that last week got his most carries of the season. I think it was at 13. So it's just a lot of inconsistencies. And when if they come out with that urgency, I think that they need that. They need the urgency. And the vibe's good, obviously, to piggyback on your original question. The vibe's good. They just came off that huge win against Minnesota. The fans stormed the field. They got a trophy out of it, whatever. Um, but the vibe's good for sure. Yeah, uh, I uh, was I, I was glad that you brought that up because I was going to say if I was going to summarize uh, what you just said there in one word, uh, it would be uh, inconsistency. Um, just like you had said, uh, sometimes coming out firing on all cylinders, and then others uh, taking forever to get going, uh, like that Wisconsin game. So um, on the flip side of it, um, I'll give you the vibe around Illinois here. Um, you, you had used uh, inconsistency or uh, you know spurts for uh, Iowa. I'm going to use the word absolute roller coaster for Illinois um, this season. Man, they start you know. 2-0 and and granted they're non-conference games but went on the road for one of them they're feeling decent uh 2-0 and and you got some new guys in uh transfer wise brandon peters at quarterback josh matter baby on the outside um Wooly Batiku, uh, you know, leading the nation in sacks through like two, three weeks or whatever it was. Um, so they're feeling decent. And then they come back home and play an Eastern Michigan team uh, that they absolutely should beat a MAC team. And Eastern Michigan's right around a 500 MAC team this year. Uh, not even like the to cream of the crop in that conference, if you want to say that. Um, so uh, then they, that starts the downfall and, and they lose the four in a row. Uh, that's what um, Illinois' kind of trend was. And everyone's thinking, oh, my God, this is another lost season. Uh, they fell to Eastern Michigan, then Nebraska. They held them close but got outgained like crazy. Um, went up to Minnesota, got stomped at Minnesota's homecoming. Uh, Michigan, fell. they didn't even show up in the first half until the last 45 <laughs> seconds, but then uh, scored 25 unanswered. So that's kind of where the um, belief kind of came from. Uh, they could do it, and that was with the backup quarterback in. Um, and they ended up coming up short. Uh, Michigan pulled away in that fourth quarter, but they did make it a three-point game after being down 28-0 at one point. And then uh, the miracle, the the flip, uh, the 
turning point for the program. You want to call it came the next week for Illinois homecoming, uh, upsetting number six, Wisconsin, uh, last second field goal, 24-23 game. Uh, they did a good job of uh, limiting yeah, the batter, Badgers that, on offense there. That game, Johnny, that game, Illinois beating Wisconsin, that brought such a life back to Iowa fans at the time because for a while, you know, it was – Iowa looked at it as – or, you know, we all looked at it here. Okay, well, Wisconsin's going to run away with the West here. It is what it is. Well, let's focus on what we need to do the rest of the season. And then Illinois comes out and they beat them, and all of a sudden the door opens wet, you know, at the time, opens back up, and it's like we got a shot at the West here, you know, and then obviously Wisconsin ends up beating Iowa and – you know, here we are today, but yeah, just to mm-hmm. go back, that was, man, yeah. you had a lot of, Illinois, uh, you had a lot of Iowa fans backing you there during that yeah. game. Yeah. I mean, it, it was incredible. I was down on campus for it and it, it was just unbelievable. Like I said, a homecoming game. So a lot of people there to celebrate. So that, but that was the turning point, Sean, uh, for talking about, it. I think early they drew from that, uh, kind of resurgence against Michigan, uh, in that third quarter where they, uh, really got themselves back into it. Uh, but obviously the results matter and they got the result they needed against Wisconsin. Then they went into Rutgers, uh, walked over them on a rainy day. Um, excuse me, that was at Purdue. And then they had Rutgers at home were a little bit groggy in the first half, but, um, ended up running away with it, uh, in the second half. And then Michigan state, man, uh, that was, uh, I wrote an article about it over at on It was a microcosm of the season. Uh, you know, they're down, people are counting them out. Uh, they had a terrible first half, uh, ended up being, I think it was 28, 10 at half could have been 28, three, uh, if it weren't for a last second touchdown, uh, in that first half, uh, no, sc- or only scoring in the third quarter was a Michigan state field goal. And then the Illini just took it to him in the fourth, uh, full comeback mode, opportunistic defense. Uh, pick six in there to help them get it back uh, within one point. And uh, they, they ended up finishing off the game to become bowl eligible. And uh, they, they're riding high right now. Um, and now the, the one thing, though, recent trends here, Illinois did have a bye week uh, last week. This, so that Michigan State game was two weeks ago that I'm talking about, whereas Iowa obviously is coming off uh, the, 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 just last week was the Minnesota right. game. So um, that's where Illinois stands right now um, in the scheme of things. But that bye week shirt sucks for, you know, you don't want to lose momentum or anything like that. But they were down. Um, two key defensive players are middle linebacker, Jake Hansen, who's been a stud all year. Um, has forced like seven fumbles or something on the season. He was ruled out, didn't even travel to that Michigan State game. They were still able to get the job done without him. Um, so we're hoping that this bye week will give him a chance to recover. And then uh, Wole Batiku, who was injured in the Wisconsin game with an ankle, uh, they're thinking that he may finally be uh, back in the mix here for this Iowa game. So um, it, with that being said, I kind of transitioned us into our next point. Um, let's get to an Iowa injury report before we dive into key players and matchups here. Uh, yeah, injury report real quick. Receiver Brandon Smith uh, and cornerback Michael Ojemudia. Both are starters. Uh, they've been out recently. Uh, they've been practicing all week. Now it's Kirk Ferentz said on Tuesday he doesn't know how much play, time's going to tell how much playing time these guys are going to get. People thought uh, last week, because Brandon Smith warmed up, that he was going to actually get the go-ahead to, to play. He ended up not playing last week. Um, but when Brandon Smith's on the field, he opens up a different passing option for the Hawkeyes that they don't have. And at size, he's a, he's a big dude. Um, he can go up and get the ball. So when he's on the field, he can be a little bit, bit of a game-changer. And Michael Ojemudia is a hell of a cornerback, in my opinion. And not have, if he's not on the field, that might be something that Illinois can look at in the passing game to head that way. But if they're practicing, practicing this week, I'd assume they're going to play. But as far, yeah, as far as injuries goes, that's, those are the two that have really stuck out to me as I was 
reviewing the reviewing all the injury reports and the and the news coming out of Iowa City. All right, yeah, uh, you'd mentioned that matchup there, so I kind of want to get into uh, some key players that can help, uh, you know, determine the outcome of this game. That definitely will. Uh, you'd mentioned Iowa with a, a little bit of an injury in the secondary there. Um, one guy for Illinois who's been an absolute standout, and it's been so long since they've had a weapon like this, uh, is Josh Matterbaby, uh, transfer from USC, uh, wide out. Um, I believe he's second in the Big Ten in touchdowns with not, or actually lead, excuse me, leads the Big Ten in touchdowns with nine. Um, he had a monster game game at uh, Michigan State uh, two weeks ago, and uh, th- this guy has really just brought life to uh, an Illinois passing game that had been stagnant. Like last year, uh, they had a couple okay targets, but no one that was really a game changer like that, so they relied on the run heavily. And now uh, a lot of the damage is coming through the air, much thanks to Josh Matterbaby. Um, so uh, that is one uh, matchup area and a key player uh, that I wanted to point out. Another one is uh, Brandon Peters, uh, led that comeback for Illinois. Uh, the quarterback, you know, he was a former Michigan guy, played one season there, then uh, sat out and then transferred. Um, so he's getting his, you know, second chance here at Illinois and making the most of it um, after going down earlier, missing a game and a half with uh, an injury earlier in the season. Uh, he's back in the mix and looking good. Uh, and uh, then on defense, man, uh, uh, Sean, the Illinois defense leads the nation in takeaways with 26 and defensive scores with eight. So um, that's definitely going to be an area that uh, Illinois will look to continue. They call it, we call it lovey ball here. Um, they, 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 they're they're going to have to play lovey ball to beat an Iowa team like this, because um, as much as you want to, I want to say that, you know, they, they can go toe to toe with them uh, on paper. They, they just can't. Um, and they're going to yeah. need they're going to need momentum swings like that. So uh, those are kind of my key players and matchups for uh, Illinois to look at. Um, let's hear it from the Iowa side. Yeah. So you know, Nate Stanley, the the quarterback, senior, three year starter. He, every game that Iowa plays, he's going to be a key player to watch just because of the experience that he brings, um, the name recognition. I guess you could say he's got NFL scouts looking at him. I don't know where he falls in the draft or, you know, in, as far as those lines go. But Nate Stanley is a quarterback, the quarterback. The problem with Nate is he's inconsistent. And this kind of falls back with that Iowa – with the Iowa's vibe is he can – if he's on, man, dude, in my – he can be one of the top quarterbacks in the country, but he's been so inconsistent. He struggles throwing the deep ball. And I I think if if he can do that this weekend, if he can figure that out and hit that deep ball, he's he's – going to be he's going to be lights out as far as quarterbacking goes uh receiver tyrone tracy kind of came out of nowhere this year he's he's a he's a little guy out there but dude can absolutely fly he's a game breaker they need to get the ball in his hands more often uh running back tyler goodson freshman hasn't reached 100 yards yet i was been kind of doing this three back running system or running back system all year with with tyler goodson mckay Sargent, and torn young last week it was mostly uh goodson who's a freshman, he hasn't reached that 100-yard rushing mark yet. I think he does get it this week. Um, but again, Kirk Ferentz, it is senior day. He's very heavy on juniors and seniors. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. This is going to come off weird when I say this, but Keith Duncan, the kicker. The reason I say Keith Duncan is because that uh, this Iowa offense has relied heavily. Uh, and they struggle putting the ball in the end zone. Keith mm-hmm. Duncan is one of their prime guys, man. He's the field goal kicker. He comes out as you know, a player to watch every week for me because he's out there. Uh, uh, Gary Dolphin, it was a Wisconsin game. And this is how bad the Iowa offense is and kind of referencing to why Keith Duncan's a key player. This was against the Wisconsin game. Gary Dolphin, the radio play-by-play guy, 
Iowa, it was their first drive. They just get a turnover. They're within the 20, they're in the red zone. And on first down, Gary Dolphin goes, well, it's all right, Iowa fans. We got Keith Duncan waiting in the wings. That's the confidence at the time in the <laughs> Iowa offense. So, and that's in the first quarter. So yeah. Yeah. Keith Duncan's a player to watch. And on the defensive side of the ball, it starts and ends with defensive end A.J. Epinesa. This is a guy that's going to be a first-round draft pick, probably in the top 10, I would assume. Uh, he's been double teamed every game throughout the year. This So this is a guy, it starts and ends with him. This defense is so damn good. And it, it's this is why it gets frustrating for Iowa fans. They have a lights-out defense. Question is, can they put enough points on the board to either contend or you know stay in a ball game or win a ball game? And that's always the question going in every week because we don't know what offense is going to show up. So if they can get the, the ball in some of these playmaker hands like Tyrone Tracy, Tyler Goodson, and as long as Nate Stanley doesn't turn the ball over, I think Iowa should succeed in this. But those are the guys that I would want to watch. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good point you make. I, I think it's going to be a uh, defensive kind of uh, slugfest here. Uh, like you'd mentioned, Iowa's defense being elite. Um, Illinois does have some playmakers on offense, but um, they have struggled against some uh, decent defenses. But then every once in a while, they'll go and break a run, uh, and they'll kind of use that yep. to uh, sort of you know uh, change the momentum uh, of the way things are going. But um, you'd mentioned uh, Iowa struggling on offense. Man, uh, if I was uh, under center for Iowa or in the gun, I would watch out for these guys, Nate Hobbs, uh, Trayvon Sidney, um, and uh, there's Tony Adams back there. These guys absolutely love to ball hawk. Uh, I'd mentioned all those turnover numbers. Um, they're going to let up chunk plays at times, but then there's going to be other ones where they slip underneath and you don't even see the guy. And next thing you know, it's in the back of your end zone with a pick six. So I would be vigilant uh, on offense with Iowa, especially if you said they struggle um, and they well, can't be making up points if they're giving up the you know uh, Illinois defensive touchdowns. Yeah, and that's where Nate Stanley's going to come in huge tomorrow because, you know, I, I, t- I kind of reference his inconsistencies. I mean, we're, we're to a point where there's sometimes, I mean, he's been inconsistent on, on slant passes. Again, Duke can be a really good quarterback, but then there's times it's like, damn, Nate, what the hell? So, um, you know, it's something where if you're saying, you know, Illinois got these ball hawks, he's got to be on his game tomorrow and he can't be, you know, throwing slam passes behind receivers and stuff like that. He's going to yeah. have to be on his game. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, you'd mentioned uh, the the defensive uh, presence up front, too. Um, that's going to be a huge question for Illinois. Uh, can they contain that? And I will give Brandon Peters a little bit of credit. I thought he was more of a pro style kind of, uh, you know, not extremely mobile. Uh, but he's shown the legs a little bit this year. So uh, maybe he'll have to use those, uh, you know, I would assume he will, uh, to avoid escape pressure. And then uh, also uh, they, Illinois does run some RPO and they have uh, two backs that really get it done for them, and that is uh, Reggie Corbin, uh, senior, and he's just explosive as all hell. Uh, he gets a little bit of room, and uh, he, he can take you to the house. Uh, I think he led the nation last year in 80, 70, and 60-plus yard runs. Um, so uh, the, the guy uh, is explosive, and then the other one uh, who's kind of more of the, your meat and potatoes guy is uh, Dre Brown, senior, another guy. Uh, so some experienced backs uh, standing uh, right beside Brandon Peters uh, there in Illinois formation. So um, the, they're going to have to uh, do what they can, uh, obviously, to change things up and uh, uh, keep 
you know, Brandon Peters off the ground. Uh, I think yeah. that's uh, that, that's going to be key here. So um, uh, that was a good breakdown, Sean. I appreciate all, all the report on the personnel because there's no way I could have gone uh, as in-depth uh, on that as you did. So um, as we're uh, winding down here, uh, let's get a prediction here uh, from both of us. I'll let you go first, and then uh, I'll go next. I see that the uh, – I think the the over-under of the spread, whatever, is at 46-and-a-half. I'm going to take the under here. Mm-hmm. Just because of, I'm going off of Iowa's offense, so yeah. I got Iowa. I got Iowa winning the game, but I got them winning 24-14. I think Illinois keeps it competitive. Obviously, um, this is a new Illinois team, and this they've caught everyone's attention in the Big Ten, especially the Big Ten West. So I I, I got Iowa winning just because I'm going off of talent. Um, but yeah, 24-14 is my my prediction. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on the under. I, I already think it's going to be a uh, defensive uh, more more of a slugfest there. Um, I, you know, it's hard to predict with Illinois because there are some games where if they're getting stuffed like that, uh, they could score in that, you know, 13 to 21 range of points. But then if they're getting yeah. defensive touchdowns, like they've gotten multiple in a couple of games this season, uh, those points add up quickly uh, when you throw a couple of offensive touchdowns on top of it as well. So it's hard to predict, but I'm going to go with uh, kind of the same range. I'm going to go with uh, 23 to 17 Iowa uh, in this one. So um, th- that's just uh, kind of a gut feeling. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be close all the way through, uh, you know, kind of midway through the third quarter. And then there'll be a drive where Iowa finally puts it all together. And Illinois defense is kind of gassed from uh, having to make this extra spectacular plays earlier on in the game. So yeah. uh, that's just kind of how I see it unfolding. Um, Sean, uh, yeah, you'd yeah. mentioned that, yeah. that, that over under here um, and then the spread uh, I was favored 15 and a half. Um, yep. I think Michigan state was even, you know, right around there uh, for uh, being favored against Illinois um, obviously made a dramatic comeback and uh, you know, we were able to take that one. So I'm hoping for some Illini magic uh, being realistic <laughs> though. I- I'm not uh, counting on it. Um but I, it'll definitely be an entertain, entertaining game to watch, whereas uh, in past years I'd be watching just uh, to have something on, whereas now I'll be at least dialed into it. So, um, John, uh, let everyone know where they can find you uh, on social media, and uh, we'd love to have you back on for uh, maybe future yeah, basketball or something like that. Uh, you, yeah, you can, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean23Roberts. Um, I think my Instagram is at Shawnee F Radio or Shawnee Radio, Shawnee F Radio 23. I see, I don't even know my Instagram, but but yeah, uh, Twitter for sure. That's where I'm most interactive. Um, and I, I have a lot of fun, especially everything going on with the White Sox and all that. I follow everything on Tap Sportsnet. So I think you guys are doing a great job. Um, just you guys keep it up. And anytime I can help out or, or give some insights, anything, you just let me know, man. Yeah, absolutely, Sean. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll definitely uh, hit you up for uh, our various topics that you're also uh, involved in here. Uh, this is, I think, this is a great crossover. Uh, a little bit more of an Iowa insight. So, um, hate to, uh, you know, kind of, uh, if any of your Iowa people are listening to this, uh, this is a more Illinois-centric uh, one here. So, um, I'm just gonna say, I was headed to Iowa. Um, when I was, you know, deciding on college and I had to make a decision by May 1st or whatever that was. And I was, to be honest with you, I was kind of bummed about it. Um, 
and then it's uh, a party June, school, dude. And, it's a oh, party school. and then and then June first, um, I got the uh, you know late acceptance notification from Illinois, dropped it immediately, and went to U of I. So um, if that tells your Iowa listeners anything about it, so <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, Iowa people are good people. I have you know family members that have gone there, so I I think it'll be a good game. And uh, the the one thing that I do have about them though, Sean, and you you being a Chicago suburb kid and moving out there, uh, I think you can attest to this. That's all they have, man. There's no pro sports there. Dude, That's it's the, uh, you know, it's funny. I kind of, because I'm I, coming from where, you know, where we're at and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't know if it's a media situation or, I, you know, growing up and listening to sports talk radio in Chicago, like very rarely are people talking positive about anything going on in the sports world in Chicago, unless you're winning a championship. Right. Mm-hmm. And everyone's very, you know, you hold your teams accountable for certain things. And I've kind of brought that mentality out here, and I don't know if it's ever been accepted, you know, because like I said, I hold Iowa to a high standard when they don't perform, or I think they're doing something very like, you know, that I don't think they should be doing. You know, I get hated. You saw the interactions that I had last weekend with that tweet. So it's just like I'm not an Iowa hater. I enjoy watching them. I'm lucky enough to be able to cover them in a way. And but yeah, man, I get because I I if if I feel they need to be ripped on something, I rip them and. because in a sense, it's all they have out here. It's yeah. I, I was just saying you you wouldn't be doing your job if you weren't being critical. Uh, that that is right, their pro right. sport out there. So um, you right. know, it, it's like I'm gonna. I, I'm sure there are you know fans out there of you know various other teams, professional sports teams, but at least in the mix, Illinois ends up losing to Iowa. I'm gonna be you know completely dialed into the Blackhawks come Saturday night, and, and I'll forget about it for a while uh, until right. Illinois plays again uh, against Northwestern the following week. So you know what I'm saying? Like uh, yep. it's just kind of a, a, a different uh, different mentality. Uh, but Sean, uh, I really appreciate you uh, you know calling in, and this is on your lunch hour, so you know we're uh, fitting this in is on here. My lunch. I, That's right. <laughs> I, I, I will let you go and finish that up. Uh, eat if you're uh, actually gonna have time for that. Um, but once again. Thank you for coming on. That was Sean Roberts, everybody. No problem, buddy. All right. Many thanks to Sean Roberts for uh, coming on and helping preview Iowa a little bit more in depth than I definitely would have been able to go um, because, you know, I kind of been uh, you know busy with some other stuff here and uh, he's the expert on it. He runs the post game show out there. Um, he gets all of his callers. So he knows what the fan uh, pulse is kind of like out there. So um, yeah, definitely going to be a fun one out there in Iowa this week. Uh, I would say a close game and I would say a defensive game uh, like Sean and I had just talked about. So John, uh, we, we've done enough here. Uh, you've, you've been silent here for so long now. <laughs> So uh, let's get into Northwestern Minnesota. Yeah, no, I, I honestly, I was sitting here taking notes because I'm definitely betting on that game. The spread opened up at uh, 15 points. I want to say no, it actually even opened up even higher. It's at 15 points now though. So quite the spread for uh, a line team that's burned pretty hot and an Iowa team that coming off of a pretty big win. But other than that, they keep games close. So a hot ticket right there. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, moving on, we have Northwestern Minnesota on ABC um, here on November 23rd at 11 a.m. What we have is a team that is 100% reeling and a team that is 100% climbing. Uh, Minnesota, the front runner in the Big Ten West probably going to end up being the team that represents the Big Ten West in the Big Ten Championship. Um, The Big Ten East Championship uh, representee game will most likely be decided this weekend when you have the Penn State-Ohio State matchup. 
Yep. So great weekend of college football across the board this Saturday. Definitely looking forward to a lot of matchups. But the matchup that we're talking about right now, the Minnesota Northwestern matchup, might be kind of a blunder. It's going to be very Big Tenny, I think, because there's probably going to be a shit ton of punts, a couple of turnovers, and not a lot of points. What we have here is we have the Minnesota Golden Gophers who are coming in to this game at 9-1, and one, having a great season, one of their better seasons since the early 90s. And uh, it's P.J. Fleck. P.J. Fleck is a great coach. I'll be the first to admit it. I definitely hate like half of his mantras, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, he seems to have found his quarterback of now and of the future and Tanner Morgan, who is a sophomore. He played last year, but he went through some freshman struggles and he has completely turned them around. Um, as of late this whole season, he's having a great year, um, has the highest completion percentage in the big Ten, I believe has one of the highest passer ratings in the big Ten. uh, 22 touchdowns, four interceptions, but we're not going to go too deep into his stats because he's probably not going to play. Um, he suffered a concussion last week. So um, he is going through concussion protocol right now, and it's most likely that he probably won't be able to clear it. Uh, knowing in college, you know, you guys had this problem with Brandon Peters. We were just talking about it before the show and how he wasn't cleared before that Michigan game. Yep. I doubt that Tanner Morgan's going to get cleared. If it's the NFL, it's a whole different story. But yeah, I, I and, doubt. And, and you know what the thing is, too? It's like for Minnesota's sake, too, they're, are they really going to, you know, and risk Northwestern it? starting a backup quarterback? Yeah, they've been they're going to risk that? I understand they scored points last week, but you have a good enough defense to shut down a quarterback or a running back that who was the whole offense last week with not that much experience. So, yeah, exactly. PJ Flex, smarter than that. He's probably not going to risk it. So, yeah, that, that that would just be my my thought on it. And, you know, Morgan's good, um, but they're, they're going to need him for these bigger games. They got uh, and 100%. With, yeah, I mean, who do they have? And is it Wisconsin that they the wrap play? up game should be Wisconsin? I think. Yeah, I would, I would. I would think that, that I have not looked at their schedule um, since Illinois played them, but uh, I would guess that. And then obviously they're most likely going to be the Big Ten West representative. So they got bigger things ahead of them. If they do, actually, now that I think about it, if Wisconsin wins this weekend against Purdue and Minnesota, even if they win, it will still probably come down. To, we would have to check into that. It'll still probably come down to that last week, though, which would be interesting. But uh, moving on, other than that, Tanner Morgan has been the whole workload for the Minnesota offense this season. They've only had uh, two other players throw a combined three passes on the year. Jacob Clark, who was one for one for 39 yards, it looks like. And then Cole Kramer, who was 0 for 2 with an interception. So mm. I don't know who to expect to see. Based off of a stat sheet, it looks like we're probably going to see Jacob Clark. So other than that, Rodney Smith has been having quite the season in the backfield. Um, he's got 986 yards, so he'll probably break the 1,000-yard barrier on Saturday. Eight touchdowns. Um, other than that, they definitely have quite the defense, you know, Antoine Woodfield Jr. definitely sticks out. Antoine Woodfield was a monster in the late nineties, early two thousands. So it's only right that his son is just ripping apart big 10 offenses. Um, he leads the team in tackles by a wide margin. He's got 65 next runner up only has 51, but the stat that is the most alarming is he has seven interceptions on the year. So he is going to be salivating at the opportunity to face a fourth-string quarterback this Saturday in Evanston. <laughs> yeah. Guaranteed. So um, expect a lot of run, 
a lot, a lot of run, especially with the secondary that Minnesota has been lauding this season. I believe they have a total of, I want to say, like 15 interceptions on the year in total, which probably, if it doesn't lead the Big Ten, is close to leading the Big Ten. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't have too much more on Minnesota other than the fact that they are 14-point favorites in Evanston. But, you know, typically I would love to say that I want the Cats to play spoiler, and I think they're going to play spoiler, but I don't see a Wildcat win. I'm predicting probably a double-digit loss. Um, The spread maybe will push. We'll see. I think they'll they'll probably lose by about 13, maybe 14 points. But they'll keep it in about that range. Um, Extremely negative, but what else have they given me (laughs) at this point in the season? I want to say they're going to fucking upset them, and it's going to be awesome, and the backup quarterback's going to have all the glory and what have you. But reality sets in at some point, and maybe I'm just hitting the crazy Marchese effect, and it's just all going to come true tomorrow, but we'll see. Yeah. That, that, that'd be fun because, you know, on my side, too, it's like I had uh, for Illinois. It's a different uh, kind of story here. Um, I actually think Illinois might win tomorrow. <laughs> they, they, they definitely have a chance. And that, that's why I said it's going to be close. But um, I think, Sean, when he hinted at it, you know, the Iowa kind of plays in spurts, so to say. Uh, they're kind of yeah. inconsistent with it. So, like, you know, they come out against Wisconsin flat, but then they come out at against Minnesota. And granted, it's a bigger game to get up for. But still, oh, yeah. uh, they come out and, and they look, uh, you know, like they're really taking it to a really solid team in Minnesota early on. So um, I, I could see it happening both ways uh, here. But uh, I do think it's going to be a uh, defensive-oriented game on Illinois' part. And, I, you know, I predicted them to lose too. So uh, we're just trying to be realists here, uh, give our honest analytical opinion on it um but obviously we're rooting for and hoping for our teams to uh, pull out the dubs so i just think it would be super illini of the illini to beat iowa and then lose to northwestern in that last yeah at least you know that that definitely would be super illini um because you know you can what what do they say you can polish turd but it's still turd um (laughs) (laughs) you know you know what i'm saying like uh but at at least they got that uh, that michigan state game was huge um for that because um you know they they could lose both of these and still be uh bowl eligible but i mean i think that realistically i would say lose at iowa close and then beat northwestern probably by about 10 to 13 points so that's just my honest prediction oh yeah no i yeah you're probably not wrong either um but yeah Moving on, the Illini have played two basketball games, you had said, since we last spoke. So why don't you go ahead and give us a quick little recap of both of those. Um, And, yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, so uh, after uh, Illinois was out in uh, Arizona for games against Grand Canyon and the University of Arizona, uh, you know, beat Grand Canyon, then uh, they uh, lost at Arizona in a tough one. Uh, they kind of fell apart in the second half. Uh, they had a whole week off, whole week off practice, kind of work on some things, um, get themselves right again. And uh, they took on Hawaii uh, on Monday night. And uh, I was actually able to watch both these games. So that was good. Um, but, you know, uh, Illinois in that one, they probably could have pulled away a little bit more. And I think this is something that, you know, a team with young guy, young uh, guys that have to be impact players like uh, Kofi Cockburn, uh, they have to, you know, figure this out uh, on how they're actually going to pull away, but they did end up still winning uh, by a decent margin 66, 53, uh, the final score in that one. Um, 
you know, Kofi Cockburn, just a monster down there. If 14 rebounds in that one. I believe he had 19 uh, in, in this next one against the Citadel that we're going to talk about. But, you know, 15 points there. Uh, just, you know, no problem. Double doubles for this kid. Uh, Trent Frazier finally kind of coming into his own. He had looked a little bit uh, stagnant offensively uh, to begin the season. But, you know, he had 13 points uh, in this contest against Hawaii. Uh, Georgie had 10 as well. Um, and then Io Dosumu, you know, you would think that he's the high flyer, usually going to be uh, the one scoring uh mainly for you uh, he only had nine in this one they were still able to get it done uh andre Feliz is off the bench eh? he just does all the little things right so i'm um, good to see him get uh eight boards and seven points in that one as well he also dished five assists so uh team guy team guy is uh andre's Feliz. that was about it for the hawaii one uh sucked for hawaii they have you know travel from the island where it's really nice and they had said it was like you know 82 and sunny in hawaii that day and it was like freaking like you know 38 and misty and champagne so uh that's a long trip home for you hawaii sucks to suck <laughs> all right uh on to the next one really quick uh the citadel uh illinois did take care of business in this one 85 57 they came out much stronger um the citadel had trouble shooting the rock early uh you know they they relied a lot on threes and the threes weren't falling for them early and illinois was able to capitalize on that use that big po- post presence down low in coburn uh he had 17 rebounds and 18 points i said 19 before uh for the rebound but it was 17 in this one uh set a school record uh for boards in one game so uh th- that was really good to see out of uh, Kofi Cockburn and then Georgie, uh, the big guys down low. You know, they played to uh, the matchup here. Uh, Citadel didn't have size, anyone that could stop them down low, so they just pounded it down there. Uh, Georgie had 16 uh, points to go with nine boards. And then Io uh, woke back up, you know, after that nine-point performance against Hawaii, uh, back up to 16. Um, he had two boards as well and an assist to go with that in 30 minutes. So um, that, that was about it. Illinois using their size, and it's so nice to have a real Big Ten big man. Uh, it's going to be a common theme on the show i've already used it on social media i've used it in conversations with people just talking about illinois basketball um you know kofi copper real deal so uh, that's all i've got on illini hoops there at home on uh it's saturday i forget i'd have to pull up who they play really quick here uh it's hampton uh saturday night um so another you know non-conference test here another, another and, noteworthy opponent yeah, it, I mean, after it's like Arizona, though, I'm glad they're doing this before, uh, you know, kind of get their feet under them. And uh, I think I, I, we saw strides even just from Monday night to uh, Wednesday night um, with this team. So uh, I was pleased to see that um, should be another tune up game. Uh, get maybe, you know, Alan Griffin, some of these other guys rolling a little bit, uh, shooting the rocks so they can have those options when it does come to Big Ten time. So uh, that's all I've got. Line I hoops. Uh, Northwestern, John, eh, not so great. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Speaking of tune up games, um, Northwestern's only played one basketball game since we last spoke. It was at home against Radford, who, again, off the top of my head, could not tell you where the fuck they're located. If you want to look it up while I'm rambling on, feel free. But, yeah, Northwestern lost uh, at home to Radford by 9. No, by 11. Sorry, my math's terrible. They lost 67 to 56, so another double-digit at-home loss to a terrible, or who you would think would be a terrible team. They came into the game 1-2, and two, so not Yikes. the best opponent. Um, on the game, Northwestern as a team shot 3 of 21 from 3, so that's obviously probably the main factor into them losing, I would have to say. Also, they did get out-rebounded. So you got a Big Ten team here. You're talking about, you were just spoken about, you know, you got a typical Big Ten big man, and you're excited. We don't. So uh, we got out-rebounded by fucking Radford. So I get get to talk about that forever. 
Um, other than that, free throws, they shot 13 and 19 on the night, 68% as a team. That's not good at all. Uh, and Chris Collins just didn't really spread the minutes around. You know, he did what Chris Collins is known best for, which is finding like a set of five, six, or maybe even seven guys and just giving them a majority of all the minutes. So, uh, in this case, it was basically his starters. Saw most of the action, the bench combined for a total of nine points and four rebounds. That was it. No assists, nothing else. That was it. You had a decent game out of Pete Nance, who seems to be their uh, number one guy moving forward, definitely 100%. He had a double-double. He had 16 points and 10 rebounds. Miller Kopp had 13 points and struggled from deep. He only made one three-pointer on the night. So that's obviously a huge factor when your lights-out shooter is not having a good night. He can't make buckets. Uh, seems to be a common theme with Miller Cop in his um, kind of short career to this point. He is only a sophomore, so we're not going to hold it against him. There have been plenty of guys in Northwestern history who have struggled to shoot early on in their career, who have moved on to be great shooters and great contributors. Uh, recently, Vic Law comes to a note. He was not the best shooter his freshman year, but he his shot improved year after year. So a little bit of consistency moving forward from Cop would be nice. But other than that, Oh, I, yeah. I got, I got, I got a dig here to get in. Um, just really quick. Oh, Radford, where are they from? Yeah, well, okay, Radford. I don't know about that, but this is a tweet oh, that I, I saw from oh, Roger okay. Sherman on Twitter, and he says, uh, he pointed this out uh, during that game that you're talking about here. Um, he said, I like how Northwestern's official account went from full opponent name to abbreviation to hide the fact they were getting wrecked by Radford. So the first one that he has a screenshot of is, you know, it says, you know, hot start out of the first at the first media timeout, NU twelve, Radford four, and then the next one is, you know, when they're down now, uh, it says, you know, Nance knocks down another one. But then, you know, it's like half, you know, second half, 903 left. Are uh, you 49 and you 33? So they like, switched it in the middle of the game. <laughs> yeah, they were getting I was that was so I was at the NIU game for this and they were getting fucking housed. It was not yeah. fun. They were down by like 15 or something. It's 17 points in the first half. It's fucking 2018 all over again. So. Uh. Other than that, um, yeah, like you got A.J. Turner, your grad transfer senior from Boston College, played last year. Obviously not the best, but he played a lot more last year. He only played 13 minutes, only had three points. Um, But, yeah, it just did not look like it was a fun game. I started watching the recap um, shortly after turning on the recap. I turned off the recap. It was fun to watch so i mean just moving forward it's one of those games where you you got to hit the reset so a lot of big 10 opponents coming up this year uh we had talked about it a little bit last week that they start big 10 play pretty early they had started this last year actually where you play like a couple games you finish up your non-conference schedule mm-hmm. and i mean they even have like they got to play bradley next week who's not great but has a chance to definitely beat them they're in the fort myers tip-off they have a chance to play either Pitt or kansas state as well so, I mean, some things that definitely need to get cleaned up. They play tonight um, against Norfolk State. This is as we're recording this uh, here Friday afternoon. So I'm sure that the results will already probably have been posted, and hopefully they will not lose by the time this episode <laughs> drops. So other than that, um, moving forward, I'm excited to hopefully see a couple of you guys next Saturday. Um, hopefully Northwestern can catch a dub tomorrow. Hopefully Illinois can catch a dub tomorrow. Hopefully 
Uh, we could have. I don't think we've had a, a day yet this year where Northwestern and Illinois have won on the same day. So that would be nice for Big Ten on tap because this is the yeah. last possible day that it could happen. So yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, always a pleasure, Johnny. Yeah. I look you, forward you wanna, to seeing you next week. I, I know we're uh, we're kind of circling back here, but real quick before we uh, um, you know say goodbye, uh, a little trash talk. Uh, let, let's oh, hear trash it. Trash talk. I always forget about trash. The most important part. That's why we save the best for last. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had kind of alluded to it earlier. But, you know, row the boat, probably hands down the dumbest fucking mantra in it's, sports. It's so cringe. It, it, I know, it, like, the, the people there love it, but holy shit, like, it doesn't make any sense. Do Gophers it, even have thumbs to row the boat? It makes me so mad that he fucking moved to Minnesota, a state, yeah, from, the most lakes in, in fucking ever, in all of America, with the most fucking lakes and here's this guy, and his fucking mantra just makes more and more sense now. And I wish he li- I wish he moved to like Nevada. I wish he moved to Nevada and tried to like patent that shit at a school in the desert. Like I hate that it works, and I hate that Minnesota fans actually love that. It's like when an Ohio State fan says like O H I O. It's just something that gets mm-hmm. under your skin. I fucking yeah. hate row the boat. The fact that they trademarked it now, yeah, and, and- that. You know what? I another thing I want to just while we're on this, he was at Western Michigan before, right? And had that there. Really got one lake over there. Lake yeah, Michigan. But, but then you know what I'm saying though? He brings it like with him. And, and, yeah. Like, how what? does that like, even work? Like, what if Western Michigan fans still like that? Because I have yeah. like a I have like a family friend who she went there and like. I wonder what, like, I haven't talked to her about it, like about this topic specifically, but I wonder what like her thoughts are, like. You know, uh, what, you just leave Western Michigan hanging dry and then go and trademark it at Minnesota? Like, how does that fucking work? He rode his boat right on over to Minnesota, and I guarantee <laughs> you, like, actually, I bet you, well, because Western Michigan sucked last year, and I'm pretty sure that was the first year he was gone. They were, like, 2-10, and ten, so I bet yeah. you they fucking hate him. Um, But, yeah, other than that, you had said gophers don't have thumbs, don't even know how they can row a boat. Their mascot is so fucking corny. It looks like a Chuck E. Cheese mashup. Like, yeah. Not not the not in... the new age Chuck E. Cheese, the like little rat guy. I don't know if you've yeah. seen the new, the new Chuck, but uh, yeah, dude, he looks like you should be on the stage, part of the like you know electric like band. Like you know what I'm saying? Like oh, yeah. Yeah, like Chuck E. Cheese. That that's what he looks like. And and the fucking overalls have got to fucking go. They have got to go. Not only Minnesota, but the Iowa fans do it too. I hope you of I fans don't do it. But the fucking overalls have got to go in yeah, the they, student section. They, they like whatever brand that does it. They try to make money by like you know, uh, branding them like with the colors for each like school. So they there are like I have seen like you know every like when I was there maybe like two or three people at a game wearing them. But like they're very prominent. I know what you're saying at both Minnesota and uh, Iowa. So fuck that. Fuck overalls. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, fuck Minnesota in general. <laughs> Yeah, I think when, when Illinois was playing them and we, we were previewing that, I said, like, you know, who, who like, you know, some some guys will or some uh, teams will get, you know, uh, fans that kind of just like jump on their bandwagon. I've never heard of anyone that just like is jumping on a Minnesota bandwagon. And granted, it haven't been great or like whatever. But, you know, there will be some like random teams. Like I know like people here that root for UCLA because, you know, they like the basketball team or whatever the fuck. Yeah, they just, whatever you know, it may be. Yeah, no. whatever it may be. There's no like draw there. So um, the, the Doc Minnesota popularity points there. Yeah. Um, 
I'm to uh, Iowa. I touched a little bit uh, in the preview with Sean Roberts here, um, but with Iowa, um, I have a personal story behind that, uh, and I kind of hinted at that, um, you know, being accepted there and uh, pretty much committed to go there. Uh, you know, I had to make the decision early and then uh, backing out last minute, and I couldn't be more thrilled that I uh, went to Illinois instead. So uh, a little family rivalry there, too, um, with Iowa. And then uh, another thing that Sean and I had talked about, he had said, you know, he was out in Iowa, so he gets the landscape from both uh, Iowa State and uh, Iowa fans. And he would kind of put out a controversial take about, uh, you know, them rushing the field after Minnesota. Um, is that going to be bad karma for them now? Uh, because they always like to uh, say, you know, act like you've been there before Iowa State. Um, and they, they like to talk that trash, but then they do it and then don't see a problem with it uh, when they rush the field uh, after a big game like that. Um, is that going to be bad karma for Iowa? I really hope it is because um, there's nothing more than I would love to see than the marching Illini um, and uh, any Illinois fans that are out there uh, celebrate on the field like they did at Michigan State um, at Iowa. Um, cause you know, they just, you know, shove it right back down their throats. Uh, they're going to do that to Minnesota, um, and do it in their place. And it's been, you know, it's five years since, uh, Illinois has, or five straight meetings, excuse me, um, since Illinois has beaten Iowa. So, uh, last year was absolutely embarrassing for Illinois. I never thought that that could have been like the end of like the love year. Cause they lost 63 to nothing at home. So it's time for a little payback. Uh, I think that's my bottom line here. And Illinois actually has a team that can hang with them this year. Uh, unlike last year when they're pretty much checked out on that second to last game. So, um, that's all I've got. Uh, you know, I'll be, uh, texting back and forth bantering with my, uh, Iowa, um, alum family and friends. So, um, you know, ILL. That's 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 all I've got for uh, for this episode, John. How about you? Everybody knows an Iowa alum that thinks Iowa is better than everybody in the Big Ten, no matter their record every year. Yeah, everybody I, everybody knows one. Yeah, but yeah, other than yeah, no, other than they that, don't, spot they, don't have, on. they don't have anything else out there. There's no pro sports. That's true. Yeah, that's they need. Yeah, America needs farmers. So yeah. Other than that, uh, moving on, we, yeah, no, definitely to uh, wrap it up, we will see you guys next week. We're definitely going to try and pump a show out before, so maybe if you guys are driving down to the game or whatever you whatever have you, try and preview the game. We're definitely going to try and get it out, um, if not at our regular time a little bit before it. Johnny and I will coordinate that, but definitely excited to see you guys next Saturday. Um, yeah. But yeah. Until yeah. next time, Johnny, uh, go cat. I-O-L-I-N-I. I-O-L-I-N-I. I-O-L-I-N-I.